This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. David Hoffman is a communicator, storyteller, and communications consultant who has been working in various fields for decades. Although he started as a traditional filmmaker, today he tells his stories on a much more modern platform, YouTube. With nearly 350,000 subscribers on his personal channel, David has told stories in just about every way imaginable to varied audiences. On this unique episode of Marketing Trends, he talks about how to build an audience, navigating the treacherous use of keywords and algorithms, and where he thinks the film industry is going. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and we are joined by special guest. David, what's going on? <laughs> special guest. Thank you for that, Ian. <laughs> Everybody's special who comes on this show. We spared no expense uh, getting only the best. Um, so today we're going to talk about storytelling, uh, about some of the really interesting things that uh, that you've done in your career and this global crisis that we're facing and how marketers can um, can can rise to uh, to the challenge here. So um, let's get into it, David. I'm curious. Uh, you have seen a few things like this, um, and I'm curious. Uh, set the stage for our listeners on how you're viewing the current crisis and and, and marketing during this. Thank you. I'd like to talk with your viewers and your listeners, rather, about my experience with other moments. So I wasn't there for Pearl Harbor. I was alive, but I don't remember what happened after that, except my mother told me that the country came together as never before, that she felt like there was more community in World War II than there ever was before, after Pearl Harbor. But I was there for uh, the Sputnik moment. And the Sputnik moment goes up nobody's ever seen before in space we are all looking up and a silver object is beeping over our heads it was like nothing this virus though shocking isn't as shocking as that moment and america was horrified by the fact that the russians had done it they were our enemy they could blow us up they could kill us within 18 months of that moment the whole country had changed the Congress was supporting major science education. The internet was beginning. Miniaturization was occurring. The curriculum, as everyone will tell you who lived at that time, we were also doing four hours of homework a night. There was science and math. Women became scientists. It was an unbelievable shift in America, which created much of what we have today. I watched television during that time, although I was not yet savvy enough to really understand advertising and marketing. But I certainly saw it in the bubble of, of 87 and in the real estate crisis and in 9-11. And what I saw in was many communicators, many ad agencies particularly, being unbelievably stupid. Right now, we have a situation where people are at home and I'm watching television ads that are silly, funny, out grooving around with the car, having fun, that have nothing to do with my life. 
the fact that marketers are not saying, this is Pearl Harbor. This is a Sputnik moment. This is really, we got everybody afraid, people out of work. I now know four people on my Facebook who know people who've died. So imagine what's going to be in the next month. And you're still running your ridiculous stuff on television. And the um, uh, stuff I'm seeing on the internet, on my various channels, including YouTube, which is the predominant channel that I watch, predominant channel I think everybody's watching, is just silly to make a joke about this time. A few folks have come on. One guy came on and said, you know, I run a real estate agency and you can't even show your house so I'm going to help you to sell your house when you can't show it directly to the person who might buy it. Well, I listened to him. That's my comment to you. I could say a lot more about these different incidents and how each one shocked the country, changed the, shocked the world, really, this one, changed everything in our economy, Certainly because of so many people on my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel used to have 150,000 people a day. So I had 150,000 views a day. I now have 350,000 views a day, growing exponentially from people all over the world. They're not going to go away. This is a major marketing shift. People are using YouTube, which is the most amazing network for finding customers I've ever seen. You know, this is the first time that I would, you know, ascertain that, obviously, definitely in my lifetime, um, that every single person in America, uh, you know, specifically, because that's, you know, where I am right now, um, has to change their daily habits based off of something like this. Like, 9-11 was extremely impactful for many reasons. Like, um, obviously, we went to war and all of that. But, but less impactful than this one, because we were told to go back to work and live life like normal. Right now, nothing is normal. Yeah. And, and just try it yourself. Turn on the TV. On CNN, you can watch seven, eight ads in a break. And they look various forms of ridiculous. A car ad with a husband and wife young giggling as they're driving through the desert. You know, we can remember it, but it's got nothing to do with what I'm thinking about automobiles right now. So, uh, you know, I, I would actually push back on this a little bit because, well, for two reasons. Number one, all of those ads were bought and paid for and filmed and all that stuff well before, you know, this all happened. Oh, yeah. No, I know why it's happening. But if I were the ad agency and I were the marketer, I'd be on the phone saying, pull that thing. Let's just make something else that gives an indication that we understand what Americans feel right now. Well, yeah. That we are a responsive company. Well, and the reason why I say, you know, I, I you know, prefaced it with that is the fact that the speed in which marketing teams can respond to things like this is like, you know, to be able to say, hey, we need to go re-record a million dollar video shoot Overnight is that's what they should do. Yep, just like you know who does it political ads. If you watch politicians, boy, watch watch uh, Biden right now. He is not running old ads. Watch Bernie Sanders. You're not seeing on YouTube Bernie Sanders as he was. Politics always led advertising in terms of showing advertisers how to respond quickly to. I mean, we're not in a cycle advertising system anymore. 
that ad could be pulled tomorrow and another ad could be done over Zoom. If you think, if you think about um, a, a good one, a classic Harvard case, is to think about, you probably wouldn't know this guy, but did you know Tom Carvel? You ever hear of Tom Carvel? No. Or Crazy Eddie? These were two guys who showed up on primetime network television selling things themselves. Tom Carvel ran ice cream stands. And he would interview different people at different ice cream stands. And the ad agencies in New York at the time, and I was working for them, laughed at this. This is ridiculous. Didn't cost a million dollars. Isn't using 4K. Absolutely silly production values. And it skyrocketed. Why? Because people believed it. It was authentic. I'm telling you as a YouTuber and as a lifelong communications guy, 95% of the things I see on YouTube right now are not authentic. They, nobody believes them, particularly millennials. Millennials are unbelievably suspicious of marketing. They, they're hard to sell. So people spend a lot of time trigger, trying to figure out how to reach them. They're 50% of my audience. So I would say to the point of, um, of the, the, the car ads that are on the TV right now, I would say that, so the, the primary issue here is that the speed in which marketing teams are created and structured is not built for that type of response. Like it's not built for that. I would also contend that the politicians that that do turn on a dime with that sort of stuff are experts in spending money, not actually making money, which is the goal of, of marketers. Well, nobody's making money right now. You will agree on nine-tenths of the ads that are selling something unless they're internet-based and something I need right now. No, totally. And I, I, I see what you're saying. My point though being that for for a marketer that is, you know, has set up their organization in a way that they don't have extremely quick um, means to be able to produce these type of spots, you know, campaigns that they've spent years, you know, crafting, building, you know, honing, all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, take Geico, for example, right? They have years and years and years, decades of, uh, of work that have gone into their campaigns to just say, you know, in the, in the snap of a hat that they, to turn that stuff into, to shift it would be very difficult. I don't know how you'd like to run your show, but let me push back at what you're saying. No, go, go Specifically ahead. Specifically with Geico. Geico built its reputation on really caring about its customer way before the current advertising campaign, which is very clever, although tiresome. I mean, you, you laugh a second, but you've seen it. You get the idea. But Geico built its reputation on being different. It wasn't Aetna. It wasn't Travelers. It was a new company with a new idea, and that's still the value. We not only underprice everybody, but we do it because we care about you. And you're telling me that a marketing team is still working like it did in the old days of advertising, which was when you ran a quote unquote campaign. The concept of a campaign is ancient. That's not YouTube. That's not the way things work. I mean, things change and you got to be adapting to those changes. And if I were a marketer listening to this show, even if I had spent months or years setting up my brand, its colors, the feeling of the music, change it. A man who repeats himself is a bore. And right now, try it yourself tonight and tell me what's working on you. I mean, 
Now, first of all, nine-tenths of us who can are speeding past the ads, right? It's so hard to get an ad to, to run on YouTube next to impossible on television. No, so I, I – I, and I totally understand the point. I, I'm just kind of painting a picture that – to shift on a dime, if you don't have that capacity right now in your organization, like figuring out how to do that, you're exactly right that it's like, hey, maybe you need to spin up a tiger team and figure out how you can be extremely responsible and craft messaging that makes sense. And, you know, not talk about, you know, driving the open roads and doing those sort of things because nobody can be, nobody can be doing those things. So I, I totally agree with that. Right, right. And what if you're the oil company, what if you're ExxonMobil and the ExxonMobil ads running right now are showing their experimental scientists doing new stuff. Meanwhile, the Russians and the Chinese have radically altered the price of oil, attempting to kill our um, fracking business, which is how America is doing well right now in the oil world. And they've got to respond to that. Things are changing rapidly. We are all seeing them change rapidly. The medium we're using, which is largely the cell phone, 67% of my audience in the United States is watching my YouTube videos on a cell phone. All the 4K and fancy imaging, they don't even see it. They largely hear it. So what I hear is very loud music and a really loud narrator that's irrelevant to my life. I'm pushing hard at you because you have an extraordinary audience and an extraordinary opportunity, particularly since a fair number of your marketers are millennials. They know what I mean. They know how they know that they're using their um, switcher to turn off every single ad on TV. They don't see any ads. They speed past everything. They're not watching it. Neither is anybody else. But the ad agencies never research that. You haven't seen any research on how many people, men and women, are using the remote to remove ads. On YouTube, they never show you what percent of the audience actually clicks when it says, you know, pass the ad by. But I've asked my subscribers just for the hell of it. I said, hey, if you want to help David Hoffman, watch the ad, would you? And I don't know if YouTube approves that or not, but it's very interesting to see what happens when people do. A fair number of time to actually pay attention. But most of the time I'm clicking the ad before I even gotten the chance. I don't know what you're doing in your behavior, either on YouTube or TV. So, I, you know, I would actually, I think YouTube obviously is, is a, and Google made the most sophisticated advertising platform in history. Um, so mm. clearly mm. they know, uh, they know what they're doing. Um, but I would also, you know, if, if we're talking about YouTube at large, I mean, if TV ads were a 30, 30 minute show has eight minutes of ads and 22 minutes of content. And then YouTube takes a, uh, you know, three minute video and puts, uh, you know, and has uh, the same exact percentage of time that is dedicated to ads. Maybe it's a little less. At a certain point, I would still argue that we're racing to the bottom of trying to, um, borrow people's time with advertising rather than create something new for them. I agree completely. I agree with that. Yes. But the, let's look at YouTube for a second. The search system is the greatest mechanism for finding your customers there has ever been. It's way better than Google. Google presents, you know, 150,000 responses to, I want to buy a refrigerator and it's a good search system, but Google will tell you 
that the YouTube search system is far superior because it is learning constantly who we are. So it's sharing possible videos on the right side of the screen, as well as ads when advertisers use it properly, um, that are right targeted at me. Let's just say I'm a woman who's had breast cancer and I'm a survivor. Well, I can find those people on YouTube. I cannot find them on Google. I can't get to them through Google, but I can find them on YouTube. And if the ad doesn't look like an ad, but looks like the video, it looks like the video that I'm watching, um, I stick with it. So I worked, one of my clients was the great Jay Walker who founded Priceline. And Jay Walker founded a company to reach young lab researchers. He's focusing his life as a billionaire on medicine and helping medicine. And he said to me, David, make these little five minute videos of medical researchers at researchers around the country. So I set up a team and we did 890 videos in nine months. 890 portraits of individual lab researchers at medical institutions around the country. And for fun, he said, let's try to run one of these little videos as though it was an ad. Put it at the front of the video and make the keywords and the description and the title such that viewers think this is what they searched. And sure enough, it worked. I couldn't believe it. People would watch four minutes of, of the ad thinking that it's the show. So what we did was we changed the style from television advertising turned into YouTube advertising, which is not the same medium as you know. Completely different medium, still being done by the ad agencies. That's, that's how I know. And you can see I'm not a lover of what the ad agencies are doing for marketers in this environment. And rather than create something that is what I would call youtube low production values, highly authentic Tight shots, all face tight shots because people are watching on their phone. Pretty pictures just don't mean anything. Um, you could see the car riding in the desert as a long shot, and it's just silly. I can't see it at all, barely. I can hear it, so sound becomes important. So putting the music up high, which so many do, is not the way to go. The chances are I am 50% not listening on headphones, 50% are. I know all of this from YouTube uh, analytics, plus some additional analytics that are provided where you can really see how many people worldwide are watching this on their phone. You know, it's, in my case, it's almost 80% worldwide if you take out the United States. But in the United States, 67%. And here I am, this old guy doing uh, historical-based videos, largely telling stories. That's what I'm doing. And my audience is 60% between 25 and 45 they love old stories. They love history. I'm saying, wow, that's really interesting. That's millennials. Yeah. I'm, well, and I think, you know, back to the YouTube versus Google point, I mean, they're, they're both owned by Alphabet anyways. And the same authentication that you go, like my, my Google is, is, uh, or my YouTube channel or my YouTube, uh, like login is authenticated either through my work email or, or my Gmail or whatever it is. So it's G Suite anyways, A and B. So they have all the data about me anyways. Uh, but they're not the way you ought to ask somebody from Google that because I was told that the YouTube search team and the search mechanism is not the same. They are not exactly the same systems. They have two separate teams that built them, including into the modern YouTube era. They're going by different 
analytics. They're not the same. That's what I was told. I don't know that for a fact, but I was told it by a Google person. Yeah, well, I mean, but you authenticate through your channels. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you thematically of the differences between the channels and the utility of each. I think that, um, I think that part of the issue for marketers, depending on what type of product you're selling, is that um, a a YouTube video versus an intent based search of you know uh, you know best HR software. Um, you're not typing best HR software into Google or into YouTube, I mean. If you are, you get a very interesting response. If you type in to Google, you're getting first the guys who paid the most money and second, the guys who seemingly presented something most people like you wanted to see. And it could be pages long. In the case of YouTube, if you search uh, best HR software, you can see by by searching it by what's viewed the most, if I search by what's viewed the most, that gives me interesting look at what the audience is watching. For example, um, I was doing work for an unnamed car company, but a small one and one with very expensive cars. And this unnamed company, when they, when you search their name by their ads, five to 10 to 25,000 people watched this ad for a $350,000 car. If you searched by number of views, you saw six and 700,000 views on customers talking about the car. So the, I said to the company, you guys are crazy. You're paying all this money for 25,000 views. Just get the people who have 700,000 views reviewing your car, which is what a lot of companies do, as you probably know. So you can Look at this by different mechanisms, and you can change a single word, best HR software startup, and get a completely different group of views, videos. Uh, it takes a little while to learn the subtleties of YouTube search, but it's extraordinarily good, and it's constantly recommending these things on the right side, as you know. And in my case, I'm finding just about every viewer that comes to watch a video of mine will watch another video from the list on the right. So I have two for every one. I hear that really successful YouTuber people have five and six videos watched after the first one is watched. So people will stay with it. They want to go deeper into it or something. What I don't find works interesting enough is channels. I mean, most corporations, and I'm now talking about corporations, not so much startups, um, have using video as a library. You know, they have 683 videos. Well, nobody is going to know what to do with that library. What do you search for within the library of the corporation? They should not be doing that. When I worked with GE, I was a consultant to GE in helping them set up YouTube. I worked for Beth Comstock one of the best marketers I ever met. She's retired now from GE. And um, she was a very famous marketer in her time. And I don't know if you ever heard her name. She's been a guest on the show. Oh, she's just great. And she said to me, David, tell us what's wrong with what we're doing on YouTube. And they had a channel or two or three. And I said, first of all, you're selling railroad engines and nuclear power plants in the same library. That's crazy. Second of all, you're not paying any attention 
to what people are saying in the comments. How could you do that? This is a commentating network. It's responding to you. And no matter what it takes, don't think of this as social media because it isn't social media. It's a network that finds people who might be interested. And then those people have a chance to talk to you. You better respond. You better have response teams. We worked hard on that. Third, don't produce expensive videos when the audience is looking for a good price. Because if you produce an expensive video, they think you're putting a lot of money into marketing, which you're making from the profits. And they reduce their quality substantially, GE did. And they started making things that were more story-oriented, because that's the key. Keep a story going rather than... And then the, the main one that I said to GE is, stop talking about we, we, we. I didn't search unless... I'm looking for railroad engines by GE. There are probably 300 people in the world who care about buying those railroad engines. And you want those 300 people to feel that you have done something for them, not you. Stop using you. Stop using we. We are great we are. Stop talking about them and what they need, which is also the success that I had on Google um, AdWords. I was Google's consultant, believe it or not, on AdWords. And I was YouTube's consultant when Google bought YouTube. Megan Smith, who was the vice president of the new business development, hired me to help them understand how AdWords really works because I was doing very well on AdWords for my clients. And the reason it worked so well is because I didn't think of me. I thought of the person, the searcher. I'll give you a classic example. I'm working for Kodak who makes these radiology papers. And these radiology papers are uh, $2,000 a paper, and there's probably 2,000 radiologists in the United States who buy those papers. And Fuji also made a radiology paper, and they produced a 10-minute color spread in the radiology magazine, which most radiologists get, physical magazine. Beautiful thing with beautiful pictures of their beautiful radiology papers and how they show the human body. And uh, so I said to Kodak, let me call 12 radiologists and ask them what matters to them. And I called, and all 12 said the same thing, insurance. So I produced a group of communications, different kinds, based on helping radiologists understand insurance issues, and to some small extent, related to the paper, but not big. And they just swamped Fuji in the marketplace because everybody was paying attention to insurance, which is what they cared about. So what does this tell you? When a searcher is searching, if you're talking we, 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 and the searcher isn't searching you, 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 they're searching a problem they have, rarely an opportunity, or they're searching to see if you're credible, if you are really who you say you are, if you if they're the best software, and all you're talking about, we're the best. And I swear to God, in, in HR software, if you put the five top YouTube videos together, one against the other, you could barely tell the difference in the language. It's shockingly similar. They're not succeeding. But on the other hand, if I saw the VP of marketing say, you know, you clicked on this video because you're interested, I assume, in software. And you're going to see all kinds of video from all kinds of companies, our competitors and us. I'd like to share with you what I believe you care about. If you don't agree with me, please tell me what you do care about. But if you do, I am hopeful that what I'm about to share, my cohorts and I, will be of help to you. That would 
swamp the market because the market still looks like television advertising on YouTube or Facebook. And I'm not speaking to you to disagree with you. I understand what you're saying, but we're at a time now, I believe, where if we weren't serious before, and I think most people were, we're serious now. Uh, to do humor is very challenging. It can be done, and I can laugh. I just put one up on my YouTube channel this morning that's pretty funny. New York City, summer day before this crisis. My family taking the bus. I don't know, Ian, if you ever took the bus. Sure did. Or if Hillary did, but the bus drives around midtown Manhattan, and you sit facing out as with a bunch of other tourists, and all kinds of performances take place outside the bus, which you can hear inside the bus as you go around Midtown Manhattan. It was fun. I don't know if it'll ever be there again in the same way when this period is over. Well, so, and I, I wanted to to touch on a few things that, you know, you discussed there. I think you're absolutely right that the amount of people who want to talk features and benefits versus talk about, you know, what is the outcomes that their customer want is extremely correct. I think... Um, I think that there's a lot of marketing out there that is, you know, pointing to uh, pointing to features rather than outcomes that see themselves or their product as the star. We talk a lot about on the show that, uh, you know, your customer is Luke Skywalker and your your solution is is the lightsaber and you're supposed to be Obi-Wan. Right. Like it's not you're not the the. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the star of the show, right? Your customer is. So I totally agree with you there. Um, in terms of like the intent-based and, and leveraging YouTube versus uh, versus Google and figuring that stuff out, I got to have my, my SEO guy school me on um, figuring out, uh, you know, how they do, you know, attribution and, and cookie management between the two platforms because I admittedly do not know off the top of my head. I'd be, I'd be listening to that show. I would, everyone would listen to that show because... It is not easy to figure out. And you know what? The algorithm is changing constantly. It's updating sure. daily. So as a creator, which is what I am for myself and for my clients, it isn't easy. The algorithm is constantly adjusting, subtly adjusting what it's picking up. Oh, yeah. And why it's picking it up. I'll give you an example. I had a um, video that I put up in 2013 of a Vietnam vet telling the story of his experience. Now, I knew that there's a whole generation of Vietnam vet and families that search this kind of stuff. So I knew I would capture that audience because the storyteller was very good. The video is 20 minutes long and it got 500,000 views uh, in about six months and then it stopped. The algorithm said no longer interesting. And it stopped for up until late last year. All of a sudden, the algorithm noticed that another audience, an audience of kids whose parents or grandparents fought in the Vietnam War, was looking or connecting. And it started connecting this younger audience. And now I'm at 7 million views. Six and a half million views came because the algorithm noticed a connection. So I asked um, BBTV, they're a Canadian company that advises successful YouTubers, maybe 5,000 clients, and I've been one of their clients. I said, how is this happening? They talk to YouTube every week. And they said that the setting, the algorithm is now 
constantly looking for who might like what you're saying. And it's adjusting constantly based on things that occur. It's trying to find connections, which is absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So that the, the people who make a video that isn't at a target audience, if I were at the HR company, I'd make 10 little videos cheaply rather than one. One would be at HR people. I'm glad you brought it back. Yeah. Okay. So uh, YouTube searched best HR software and you would be uh, shocked to know. So the insights right now from the plugin that I have say that top channel has like 56 videos, maximum views 2.3 million, you know, average views is average age of videos three years, which is wild considering that's, that's an unbelievably... It is. It is, considering what's changed. And I want to say one other thing about that. Size doesn't matter. Success rate matters. Uh, In the case of GE, they made a handheld uh, device that worked on the heart. They were very proud of it. They mostly made it for Africa and other places that didn't have full equipment. And I said, well, how many customers could there be? And they said maybe 3,000, 4,000 first customers. So we didn't care how many views we got. We struggled to figure out how are we going to get those 5,000 people? What mechanism and how long will it take to find the 5,000 people who want that machine, not all the other half a million who might like watching the video, but aren't going to buy the machine? So as you know, it's not a matter of size. It's a matter of success rate, how, how it's working, how, how, how many customers actually come, how many questions are asked. So I agree. And, and to the HR software point, it's like, um, it doesn't matter if you have a HR software video that has 2.3 million views. In fact, you could have a video that is, um, you know, an amazing story, like one of yours that you've, you've told that gets 2.3 million views. And it doesn't mean that HR decision makers or key stakeholders are are watching the video, so who cares, right? So that's the first critical thing is you have to make things that are relevant for your for the audience that's going to potentially buy your product. You know, if it's software, that's much more confusing. If it's a car, um, you know, who knows? Well, my wife has not found a single television ad for cars that relates to her. Yeah, there you go. It's all fancy, fast driving. I don't know how you're experiencing that, but she just doesn't connect with the. It's not made for women who just want a car that they're proud of and feel safe and comfortable in. So with the HR software videos, so the first one that comes up says three best HR software 2017 as like the number one search result. So I would contend that A, uh, if we were to run an experiment on this, seems like it's extremely, um, and maybe these aren't the right search terms, so maybe we should do something else, but um, that it's an extremely ripe area that you could put potentially a good video that and and uh, and juice it with a bunch of views to try to get people watching it promoting it things like that and you you know if you made a high quality thing you could probably you know do really well in your ranking for there my question would be is anyone searching on YouTube for best HR software and that is the question that's a really good question that's a really relevant question recent studies indicate that in the b2b space, as many people are searching YouTube as Google. Now, that wasn't the case five years ago. And we all know that B2B wasn't really a YouTube world. YouTube world was an individual's world with some corporate advertising. But today, if I want to know about a company or a company's product 
or whether I want to work with a company which is senior management making decisions, I'm more likely to search a video that gives me some authentic feeling than a document that I read off somebody's website. And we all know what happens on websites. They're skimmed. They're not read. Nobody's reading. Everybody's skimming. So I'm not really actually getting you. So there've been some really good research. I can't remember who, but it can be searched on Google uh, where you can see in the B2B space, what are middle managers and upper managers looking at? What are they looking for? What are they looking at? And currently in the last year or two, it's video. I mean, Mary Meeker said in her 2018 analysis, everything's going to video and she's right. Video has an emotional component. Words don't have an emotional component, certainly on the web. I don't mean if you're reading a novel. They just don't have an emotional component. I'm only based on the number, the facts, the price, maybe the abilities of this software to do everything, maybe. On the, on the video, I'm looking at the guys and women. How do they feel? What are they telling me that helps me to feel that they understand my needs? That's very different kind of marketing and far more powerful. So Google is not really as successful as it used to be. And YouTube, it's just like when I want to know how to use the software. Well, when I want to know how to use the software, you're damn well right, for sure. I'm not going to Google, I'm going to YouTube to see the training. I got to push back on the pivot to video thing because in the earlier, in earlier you were saying that a lot of people don't even watch your videos, that they just leave it on with the sound so you so much is the ads that's not my video the ads i ask them to leave the ad on because they make more money oh no they watch my videos i can see exactly how much they watch and i can see exactly when they turn off so you you youtube says to its creators if someone watches more than 20 percent of your video consider it a success so in most of my videos I'm going to say 80% of the searchers click off in the first 15 seconds. So I lose 80%. It's counted as a view, but really it wasn't a view. They looked long enough to know they don't want to see it. 20% of the viewers watched the whole 58-minute film that I made for television. 20%. So that 20% is all that I care about. So I'm targeting that 20% or I'm trying to understand and the other 80% I'm ignoring and I see where they drop off and it's pretty much at the same place. So if you're running a, not an ad, but a, a two minute HR selling video, you can see how many people watch and you can see who clicked, who clicked off. Is it more men, more women? All that's in the algorithm plus the additional tools that are provided but for creators that you sign up for. The reason why I say the the pivot to pivot to video is is overstated. Here's my contention: that there's two types of uh, of ways in which we consume um, from a utility perspective. One requires our our eyes, and the other just requires our ears. So if you are doing a a um, any type of activity in which you cannot use your eyes, aka you can't ride a bike and uh, read a book. You can't ride a bike and watch a TV show. Um, you know, maybe you're on your Peloton, but uh, but an actual bike in the wild. If you are going on a hike, you're not watching a video. So inherently, there's a massive opportunity for non-screen bearing activities, aka audio. 
on the flip side of that, my contention is that video actually replaces written word in a lot of the cases that, to your point, that video will continue to take over because it's much much easier to consume uh, or, or much more impactful to consume video than it is to read. So, you know, Again, I, I think if you're going to say that if, you know, saying everything is going to video, I think what I'm not going to say that. Noah, you are right. I agree with you. I just I did not distinguish as I should have video and audio from print. I completely agree that of the two, if it comes to a choice, I'm going to cut the video or I'm going to cut the audio. It's the video I'm going to cut, even with someone's watching, no less listening, because I mean, this is a classic Harvard business case example. Take a television one night for one hour and turn off the video and see what you get. What do you feel? What do you think? Now turn off the audio for one hour and see what you get. Nothing. We are in an audio world. The cell phone is an audio device. Video adds that, adds something if you do it well. But I a thousand percent agree with you that there are many cases where I'm adding video because it's YouTube but really, it's the audio, like in our conversation here, you don't need to see me. It's a nice add-on. You don't need to see what I'm talking about. It'd be a nice add-on, maybe. But when your mind is focused on, as my mentor used to say, we have eyelids, but we don't have earlids. <laughs> so what focuses us, he said, was what we're interested in. To the audience that's listening, if they are interested in this dialogue between you and I, they're hearing everything. They're really hearing it. They're considering it. They may even be writing notes. So I am not, I didn't say that correctly. I totally agree. We're talking about print on a web page versus audio or video. And of the two, I'm firmly of the belief that audio dominates what I take into my mind and what I listen to and what I remember. Well, and, and I want to and I want to get back to something that you said towards the top, which is at the end of the day, you know, you are a storyteller. You've uh, been a filmmaker for a long time, um, and it's really about the story and about providing something that your uh, your audience, your community, your customers uh, that can help them do something. And whether that is, you know, like the videos that you're creating that help people understand how, you know, what it was like for their grandfather to, to be in Vietnam, or whether it is, you know, helping someone, um, you know, figure out how to serve their employees better. Those are the things that people need to focus on those stories, not, you know, uh, how to talk about their HR software or, you know, how to talk about, you know, whatever, I, I don't know what product you'd be selling from the, from the other side of things, but. You, you and I are saying a meme when we're talking about stories, but I'll give you an example, a good one. So my client in this case creates a mechanism for depositing and burying nuclear waste from the nuclear power plants. They have three customers, governments of countries, power plant, the people who run power plants, the nuclear power industry, and in some cases, movers and shakers, analysts and the press. Those are their three audiences. So I say to them, well, a story. Okay, why don't we do a test of your thing that you're burying this nuclear waste in Texas? And let me film it for those three audiences. One film will be aimed directly at the press. Here are the facts. Here's what we're doing. Another will be aimed directly at the people who run the nuclear industry who are scared and very disturbed about the fact that this is above ground, all this stuff. Different attitude, 
different attitude by the drillers, by the scientists who are there from Berkeley. That's who my client is. If you're dealing with a government, you're dealing with cost. You're dealing with what's this going to cost the country if we have to hire you guys to bury this stuff, to get it off the surface where it is right now. So target audience, very emotional. Each one is a story. You see the day, the day in seven minutes, you see the day of how these people did it. Very emotional. That's a story made out of a really technical scientific thing that could have been done so differently. In the case of the HR software, um, we all know third parties have power because third parties have credibility. When someone who's not your customer talks, that's credible. On the other hand, the agencies take that credible third party and make that credible third party sound like they're doing an ad. The exact opposite of what you need. Somebody should say something like, you know, this HR software was a little hard for me when I started. And I said, you know, maybe I bought the wrong stuff. But then somebody else showed me two techniques. And with those two techniques, I found a wealth of ability that I did not know that I had. That's real, as opposed to the standard pitch. So I suggest to you, everything is a story, but the story still has to speak to the viewer in a way that the viewer feels they care. You don't disagree with me about that. I know you don't. And I apologize for not fully honoring what I is a core to my success, which is audio, 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 and story, story, story. Telling people forget about the camera because it's really to spend all the money on your camera angle is so silly. When somebody's listening, it's really true. So Ian, thank you for pointing that out to me. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I appreciate the uh, the dialogue and and uh, and going back and forth on it. Um, well, I hope this is helpful for for our listeners. Um, David, any any final thoughts? Where can people find you? At? I'm David Hoffman, filmmaker on YouTube. Uh, you can look at my every other day posts, and you can find me at All in a Day, A L L I N A D A Y all in a day at AOL.com. Why do I still use AOL? Because I got the name all in a day in 1995. <laughs> and you didn't want to lose it. <laughs> That's why. And you can also find me at whoisdavidhoffman.com where my clients talk about me. You can see the work that I've done for different companies. But I'm doing this really because I respect the fact that your audience is liking what you're providing. And I said, I feel it's an honor to be asked by you as an old man, but still a working man to come and talk with you. So I thank you, Ian. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks for, for stopping by, sharing some time. Hopefully the audience, uh, you know, continues to like our stuff because uh, we're, we're always trying to make, uh, make the best stuff for them. Um, as always, shoot us an email, team at marketingtrends.com if you have any thoughts, ideas, um, ideas, suggestions, anything like that. David, thanks so much. Talk soon. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.